Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Club Podcast, where every month we deep dive into a different aspect of cinema, director, genres, actor, or franchises. It doesn't matter, because it's always fun at the Film Club. I'm Dean. I'm Boo. And this month we're going into the Mummy franchise. We are. And, and this week... Oh, this week. We're doing the last film of the original... Trilogy. Yeah, the original trilogy, The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, starring Brendan Fraser... Jet Li, uh, Michelle Yeoh, John Hanna, John Hanna, that one guy, that one guy, uh, Ford, I think, some guy, yeah, and not uh, Rachel Vice, no, Fake Evie, <sighs> and fake. I will be addressing her as Fake Evie. She's a good, she's a good actress. All right, I'm not, you know, knocking her acting skills, but she's Fake Evie. <laughs> if you're trying to get me to believe that that is, you know, Rachel Weiss's Evie, I'm sorry, sir, I can't. This is this is gonna be a lovely episode, but let's get down to it because this is pretty much the last film of the trilogy that we're gonna be talking about of uh, the Mummy Memory Returns and this one. Yeah, and I guess we can get it out of the way right now. Worst one in the trilogy, absolutely. Like by far, by far. Like Mummy's Returns was not great but at least it was like entertaining and it had a vibe and it was fun yes this one did not have the vibe you were looking for i didn't laugh once not once not, not once not not even when brendan fraser's mugging towards the camera and the yeti show up not once <laughs> not even when jonathan was yelling at rick to slap my ass because his ass was on fire uh, I not once i figured that would just kill you nope oh. So you're you're just gonna have a lovely time talking about this great film. It's gonna be a rough one. It is. I don't have too many good things to say about this movie. This is this is very rare. Usually I'm the pessimist. You are, but I mean I knew that this was gonna be my reaction. I, I knew with the trailer back in when did this movie come out? I believe this came out in two thousand and eight. Back in two thousand eight when I saw the trailer, I was like, Ooh, I am never watching this. And for this podcast, I did. And wow, it was a doozy. It is. But let's, let me ask you. So 2008, this is seven years after, or six years after Mummy Returns. Yeah, because that was 2001. Yeah, or yes, six, seven years after 2000, six or seven years after the Mummy Returns. I'm going to get tongue tied already. And I don't know about you, but were you hyped when you heard there was going to be a third Mummy movie? Oh, yeah. When when the rumors came out that there was going to be a third, I was totally stoked. I thought, okay, where are we going to go with the story next? Mm-hmm. And then I saw the trailer and I thought, oh, you know, or I heard that they were going to go to ancient China. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I, I really love the ancient, you know, Egyptian culture. I'm like, all right, let's see how this strays. And then I saw that the cast changed and I was like, okay. Is okay. I'm out. Because the cast changing, it's only that uh, Maria Bello uh, changes um, or takes over Rachel Weiss's role as Evelyn or Evie. Evie. And everyone else, like um, Odette Fair and um, Arnold Vosloo, they just didn't reprise their roles. They just didn't come back. So, was just the fact that Rachel Weiss wasn't coming back, was that enough to kill you for? That was enough. That was enough. That was enough. Okay. I was okay with, you know, we're going to, you know, a different continent. We're checking out different, you know, lores. I was cool with that. But the fact that Evie wasn't there, I'm not there. 
I guess like the starting uh, question here, do you think that Maria Bello does well enough for what she's given? Is Do you think she's, I mean, she's I not she... the same, um, I feel she's not the same character, but she's giving it her best go. I think she, you know, she does a fine job for what she has to do in this movie, but she doesn't give me Evie. You know, I'm not getting, you know, this is something that Evie would have done. This is very much her own character, but the whole movie itself, it's very comical. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, the action adventure with comedy in it. This is kind of slapstick. Yeah, I mean, this is really apparent in, like, the first time we see Rick when he's... When he's, you know, trying to kill time learning how to fish. Yeah, he's fly fishing in nine. Also, this is another thing. This is another 10-year time jump so from we're the in previous... So the 40s now. Yeah, 1946. Rick is fly fishing in England... And he is comically bad at fly fishing. Mm-hmm. And, like, you think of the first time you see Rick in the other movies, right? The first yeah. one, he is fighting for the French Foreign Legion, about to face down an army. He's leading the Legion. Yeah. And the second movie, oh, they're going through this ancient tomb. It's it's the whole Raiders thing where, oh, this movie opens with the ending of The Last Adventure. And they're explorers. And we find out that Rick, you know, was chosen by the gods to be, you know, a protector. Because, you know, the second one got real mystical on it, us. It got very mystical. And this one, it's kind of like, oh, we've retired and let me see what I could learn in this, you know, book of hobbies. Yeah, and it's it's interesting where the movie decides to show you what they're up to by making it immediately comedic. I get what they're trying to do. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, they're on their way out. You know, they're retired. They don't want to be adventurers no more. I even mean, though Evie is like a writer now writing about their adventures. And it's like, yeah, you know, as much as she wanted to be part of the Bembridge Scholars. I'm like, I really couldn't see her going into, you know, writing fantasy romance novels. So I was like, really? This is what we're going to turn Evie into? Yeah, it's it's one of those things where I get what they're going for, but this feels like... There should have been, like, two other movies before we get to this point kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, let alone when Rick and Evie finally land in China, Mm -hmm. it turns into Temple of Doom. Yes, like, very quickly turns into Temple of Doom, which is the whole, like, you know, the Mummy franchise is the 90s or early 2000s response Mm -hmm. to the Indiana Jones franchise, and this is the worst aspects of like the Temple of Doom, um, Last Crusade, Crystal Skull, that whole era. Because don't get me wrong, I love Temple of Doom. I love the Indiana Jones movies. I haven't seen Dial of Destiny yet. Kind of hearing, you know, mixed reviews on that. But it's just, this movie just feels like they crammed so many random things into it that it doesn't feel authentic to itself. It doesn't, it, it, is a barely functional attempt at continuing a story that probably didn't need to be continued, honestly. It's the, it's the problem with, like, the first movie yeah. is so good that The Mummy Returns feels like, okay, we're retreading the same stuff we saw in the first movie. Why are we doing this? The third movie is we're continuing a story that, honestly, The Returns gave me, if I had any more questions about what they were doing, Returns did it. I mean, I was, you know, intrigued with the beginning of the movie when we're talking about the Emperor and how, you know, he was running things and how, you know, he wanted to, you know, become immortal. All of that and how uh, the sorceress turns him and his army into basically clay. 
and how they tied that into actual history. I'm like, okay, I'm like, this is cool. You know what? Like, let's let's actually get into that because the <laughs> the opening of the movie with the emperor, where we actually get to see Jet Li and Michelle Yeoh and Michelle Yeoh, you know, like two great actors, like actually performing, like because spoiler alert, Jet Li isn't in ninety percent of this movie. No, he I think was only there for weeks. It, it was a very short amount of time that he was able to be there for the movie. Which I'm that's gonna beg some questions at the end of this, yeah. but you know the opening of it is actually pretty decent. It's yeah. doing the same thing that they did with um the mummy with the original mummy with um mummy returns. It opens with here's our villain and his ancient lore mm-hmm. and all this other stuff, but with this one instead of um Emotep being kind of this tragic kind of death where, where he's cursed but be, mm-hmm. he's cursed because he betrayed the pharaoh for love and the scorpion king you know turned bad if you you know against the whole movie he was based in yeah he turned bad but it was because his army was destroyed and he wanted and revenge and heartbreak and it's like okay they're kind of tragic you know villains but with this the dragon emperor jet Li is just a bastard yeah, we never see, you know, any cracks in him that, you know, there's a reason why he is this angry and that he is this volatile. It's just dude's ready to conquer the world. Yeah, and there's no hint of, like, humanity Mm-mm. to him. He is just maniacally evil. Yeah. Maybe not maniacally evil, but he is just, like, pure evil. And you have Michelle Yeoh playing the sorceress who, like, tricks him, curses him to mm-hmm. be, like, oh, now you and your entire army will be turned into clay warriors and you will... I have to suffer eternal life as statues for the you know rest of eternity. Which was really cool because that ties into actual history. Yeah, because this is not based a hundred percent, but it's taken a lot of inspiration from the terracotta warriors mm-hmm. that were found in. Um, I think it was a Chinese tomb. It was. I. I don't. I don't. Ugh. I know I can't pronounce it, but it's from a, a dynasty that. Yeah, and I know we're, we're not. This isn't a history podcast. No, no, no. But you know that is a factual thing, and it's like I love that they added that. Um, the fact that when they go into the temple, Alex and his team, you know, it was rigged with booby traps, and that's very you know matter of fact. You know that that was in the temples. That's a reason why it hasn't progressed too much, the discovery, you know, with these mm. terracotta soldiers, because it's still very much rigged with booby traps. So people, the explorers and the scientists, they have to be careful that they don't get shot with arrows or, you know, hit with poison or whatever. So A lot of the times it's like uh, there's um, like false support beams. If you put any yeah. weight on it in the wrong direction, it'll knock the ceiling down on you. That's a lot of the times those... Uh, what is it? If you ever hear of like, oh, these are the real life Indiana Jones mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Those are the booby traps they're seeing. Usually it's not dark traps in the walls because those things are like, you only got to have them go off once and then they're you're good after that. Usually it's like, oh, well, this whole wall is going to yeah. cave in on me and it's going to seal it up forever. But I mean, it's still very cool that, you know, that was incorporated into the movie. But it's like, I felt like that beginning sequence was a lot more interesting than bringing in our characters. Yeah, because, you know, the whole thing with the opening, you know, we get to see, like, cool badass Jet Li. We get to see Michelle Yeoh, the sorceress. Mm-hmm. And right after that, that's where we get Rick and the fishing and him hating, you know, not retirement, being, hating retirement. And we also see Evie is a writer and a different actress. And they do the whole reveal of her being a different actress. Like, you didn't see the poster. As this whole surprise, guys, yeah. Evie's changed. And 
I mean, let alone, you know, we have that. And then when they get hired on for another mission, we find out that they were spies. Yes. And it's like, what? Now we're dealing with spies? Also, why weren't, why wasn't that? part why wasn't that the movie where it's like could you imagine oh rick and evie they're now world war ii espionage spies who have to save who have to save the spear of destiny from hitler or whatever by going into the tombs of whatever like that would be an interesting sequel a little you know last crusade but that would be interesting to follow up on but that just makes when they say that that just puts imagination run wild like across the board for me but the other thing is, right after we get the whole establishment of their, this is where they are now. Now we get to see where their son is. And Alex is following in his parents' footsteps. You know, his Even parents, though he hates them? Yeah, he hates his parents, which I hated that they wrote that into the story. Mm-hmm. But all of them still live in the UK. And he doesn't have a British accent anymore. And and this isn't like a thing where like oh well why did he have, he never had a British accent he had a thick British yes. accent in Mummy Returns and he was like ten ten and I'm like okay so he's supposed to be like twenty twenty one now he'd still have an accent also he wouldn't have this kind of slight Texas drawl he's got so weird and you know I like I get it they probably they hired an actor who was just good for the role and could do the action and all this other stuff. But like, bro, you couldn't—they couldn't have had him put on like a little bit of a British like accent or something instead of the twang he's got going on. And but other than that, which is just a weird <laughs> character inconsistency, he does actually pick up a, like the first action scene or the first big action scene proper. Yeah, you know, sneaking into the tomb and you know, boot setting tra- yeah, setting off the booby traps. Showing that he knows what he's doing like his parents did, figuring out the puzzle, the feng shui. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like, you're, you know, a different kind of um, pulp hero, but you're still in the pulp hero vein. And we get the, you know, uh, Lin. Lin, who is uh, his love interest. And she's also kind of like the Magi, where she's protecting and making sure that the Emperor stays encased. Yeah, even though she's not doing it very well because she let the whole dig site go through for like probably months. Well, I mean, they also, you know, don't really flesh that out well, you know, because towards the end we figure out who Lynn really is. Should we, should we spoil that now? Uh, if you want to, we can save it for the, for later when it comes up, but we can just spoil it now because it's pretty obvious, like what she is because you're right she's the magi and she's the daughter of the sorceress and the the general that the sorceress has a an affair with an affair with but i mean they're also immortal by the way this is yeah that's <laughs> we should point that out that uh the sorceress and lynn are immortals but i mean is it really an affair when the sorceress was never you know promised to the emperor well, it's the thing where the emperor's petty oh yeah and it's a thing where you know she actually did find love with the general and it's just, you know, oh, I couldn't have you? Well, you can't have him. And then you die too. And then it's just like, but then she lives and they become immortal and her daughter's immortal. But it's like, wouldn't they have more people, kind of like the Magi, to protect and make sure the Emperor never comes out? It's the it's the thing where I get it that they wanted Alex to have a love interest mm-hmm. that was connected somehow with the the dragon emperor and they wanted to also have a magi style character they wanted another artifact because um you he know he was invited back 
Yes, Odin Fair, the actor, was invited back, and he didn't want to do it because Emotep wasn't in the movie. Yeah, it makes no sense for the Magi to be there if, you know, there's no Emotep that they have to stop. And Arnold Vosloo was like, why would I come back for the movie if it's not set in Egypt? That makes no sense for my character. And that's when I found out in my readings that apparently they did want Emotep to come back with the Dragon Emperor and be like, yo, I brought a friend back. Hi, Rick. Now try to take the two of us. And it's just like, no. See, no. I heard I heard a different one where it was they were not going to be able to defeat the Dragon Emperor. So they had to bring Imhotep back because they needed a um, an ally who was just as powerful and they were yeah. going to like join forces. But I thought that would have been interesting because it's the whole thing where it's like in the first movie, Imhotep, pure bad guy. The second one, I feel sympathy for him when it's like, oh, an leaves him, but leaves and betrays him. And if they brought it back in the third one, that would have been a thing where, like, I would have loved to see that arc completed of, oh, Emotep now kind of understands his, like, universe, and he can try and redeem himself. He's like, I did all this stuff for a love that was never true, and now he can try and redeem I, it. I don't know. I, I think he is such a good baddie that I don't want him to be good. I like that he's bad. You don't want him to be a little bit of an anti-hero? No, I, I like, you know, Emotep the bad guy, because he does it so well. He does. But the fact that they wanted them to be like a tag team, like I got you, bro, I'm in. It's it's like well, really. Yeah, see, well, that's the thing because that's the speculative writer stuff or the scripts they went through because this went through a bunch of rewrites. Yeah. But what's actually going on in the movie is fine so far, right? Because mm-hmm. up to this point, it's pretty by the numbers. It's a little goofy where the O'Connells are, but hey, they need a starting place so we can get some drama going. The Alex action stuff is cool. Lynn is interesting as this, you know, mysterious ninja. Yeah. But then when they are actually, um, the O'Connells are going to go to Hong Kong to deliver the, what is it, the Eye <laughs> of uh, Shangri-La. The Shangri-La, yeah. The, the big ass diamond. I mean, it was pretty. It was really pretty. And when we finally, you know, they are going there and we finally see what Jonathan's up to. And he is in the nightclub from Temple of Doom. Called Emotep. Called Emotep. And he has the whole, you know, Egyptian-themed mm-hmm. nightclub in China, which is, like, weird? You know, I, I like seeing Jonathan. He's the comedic, he's the kind of comedic relief I like. He never changes. There's no character arc with him. Um, I mean, they brought back that idea for the nightclub that they wanted in Mummy Returns, but they didn't have enough time or funding to do that. So it was interesting to see it in this movie, but I was just like, you just ripped off the club from Temple of Doom. Like the whole, like very heavily influenced, mm-hmm. you know, I won't, it's the kind of thing where it's like all the mummy movies are little, little rips oh, off, yeah. rip off of uh, Indiana Jones. This one is just more, ah, really, like you said it explicitly in China, just like Temple of Doom, mm-hmm. you're having it explicitly. You having him explicitly wear the white suit, mm-hmm. just like Indian Temple of Doom, it's a little on the nose. But like I'm, I'm okay up to this point. It's when we finally have Alex and his parents meet, and they're having that whole chemistry. And now we find out Alex hates his parents, and Which that's is so stupid. Yeah, because he's like, oh, you never loved me. And I'm like, y- did you forget the whole second movie where he like literally crossed the world to save your life like ran you through the forest of pygmies and uh the cult people literally outrun the sunlight outran the sunlight to yeet you into the scorpion king's temple to save you 
and then they and then they have a whole argument. It's like, oh, you know, he's like this because you called him too much EV, and she's like, well, you never supported his blah 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 blah, and it's trying to do the thing where it's like, oh, no. they tried their best, but they weren't good parents, and I'm like, that's, that's so incorrect. Dumb. Yeah, like I that starts getting leaning into a drama thing that goes on and off for the entire movie. Sometimes Alex doesn't like them because oh you guys you know never supported me and trying to follow in your footsteps and sometimes they're he's like man you guys are the best parents i could ever ask for and it flips on and off for the rest of the movie it's just scene so, by scene it stops caring it's so disingenuous of their characters it's like you know they're, they're trying to write them as different people and it's like well no this isn't a conversation that rick and evie would have you know oh you coddle them too much oh you do this too much it's like no that's not them yeah that's not their dynamic because the dynamic from i guess returns because that's the last movie where all three of these characters mm-hmm. were involved not all three actors but the three characters mm-hmm. you know rick and evie very much in love they love the adventuring mm-hmm. life and the globe trotting life alex is involved and he is very much into it they're all have this dynamic of we're all adventuring globe trotters we're all very much you know a happy family it's the johnny quest kind of thing mm-hmm. You know, where, you know, uh, Doc Quest and Johnny and Rick Band, they're all in on it. They're, yeah. They are all loving what they're doing. And they all still love what they're doing. I yeah. don't know why they, I don't know where the rift came from. Because they're like, oh, Rick wasn't nice enough? Didn't give him enough hugs. I was like, really? Like. that? That's where we're going to have this, you know, family divide? Yeah. Like, if it was something serious, like, you know, maybe, um... Oh, like you guys disappeared during the war to go do your espionage thing, and you left me behind. Yeah, and you—that uh, could have been the thing. Like, oh, you left me in a boarding school for four years while I, like, abroad while you guys tried to save the world again. I had no idea if you were dead or alive. See, if they established that as the point of contention between them. Then that would have made a little bit more sense. I could have given that to them. But then again, with their characters, I really can't see them getting into the world of espionage. You don't think so? I no, fe- I, I feel like they still would have been explorers. I feel like they would have gone to different countries and got into different lore and to different, you know, mummy situations. It, but it's like ex- uh, spies, not really. The, it's the fact that this has this is taking place in a post World War II world. Mm-hmm. And they're like, we need to explain what the O'Connells were doing in England in World War II. And espionage is a very easy throwaway thing, even though it could have, even though I completely understand why they have to do it. Mm. And they have to set it here because they didn't want a teenaged Alex. They wanted an adult Alex, even though it begs the question, what was Alex doing during World War II? Was he in espionage? Was he in a boarding school? Because he would have been old enough to fucking serve. Why do the three of them look like siblings and not, you know, parents and child? Yes, that is another thing. And that's not a gripe against any of their acting abilities. No. It's just the the actor playing Alex. Uh, I, I forget his name. His name is Luke Ford. Luke Ford. By the way, he does pretty good for what he's given. Yeah. He's not He's not bad in this. He's no. serviceable, fine. The script's a little undercooked, but that's for everybody. Mm-hmm. He's doing a good job. But he looks probably three, four years older than the character he's supposed to play at 21. Mm-hmm. He looks 25, 26, yeah. you know. And uh, you have Brendan Fraser, who's probably about 39 here. about Somewhere in there, looking very good. Very good. And it's like, oh, you guys are look more like brothers, mm-hmm. like older brother, younger brother, than 
father and son. And it's very awkward when they try and have that dynamic. And yeah, it's you like have... I'm getting more supernatural, you know, Sam and Dean kind of, you know, bonding than father and son. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where it takes you out of the movie when they try and get really sentimental about it. But Jesus Christ, that we're not even half we haven't even gotten to the Emperor raising yet. Because Can we watch Supernatural? I mean it's twelve seasons, right? I'm game. I mean I I'm game to watch it again. I like Supernatural. Me too. Supernatural is one of those shows that every time I go back to it, I'm always like, Yeah, no, I can I can just I can just vibe on this for like eight seasons. It's like super easy. A hundred seasons. It's a super easy vibe show, honestly. I love it. Yeah. You just don't want to talk about it. I don't. <laughs> We're almost there, uh, I swear. All right, all right. Let's get back to The Mummy 3. For anyone who's wondering, this this was your most dreaded episode of the year, right? Uh, well, I mean, the year's not over yet, but yeah, it's up there. <laughs> when we started doing the schedule, and you're like, oh, Mummy franchise, we do Mummy, Mummy Returns. And I'm like, and Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. And you're like, ah, oh, <sighs> fuck, we do have to do that one. Yeah. 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 But don't worry, we're we're halfway through the movie. Okay. So, which our, also this is the shortest movie of the franchise. Yeah, it's un, it's the only one under two hours, mm-hmm. right? Because I think the first one was like two fifteen, two fifteen or two thirty somewhere in there, and then return or maybe it maybe it is like two fifteen because returns I think is two thirty. Yeah, yeah, because I I think that's the thing. Returns is a little longer, but it feels way faster. I think they should have made this longer to really flesh out, you know, the history. The the globetrotting adventure thing, re- you want to spend time in these locations, yeah. you know, explore, see what's going on, and it doesn't have that. But right now they're in Hong Kong, and this is when, you know, they're going to deliver the diamond to the same place that the terracotta warriors are that Alex has just discovered. And surprise, surprise, there's a paramilitary cult that wants to raise the dragon emperor to conquer the world. It's always a cult. It's always a cult. And if so facto, they raise the dragon emperor and it leads into the emperor, the general, and his henchwoman. Who yes. has a very confusing moment much later on that we'll get to. Yeah. Yeah. They ride off on, granted... A fucking cool-ass chariot. I will give you that. I did love the chariot and the horses, and you could just see the fire, you know, brewing underneath the the terracotta that the horses have. Like, the CGI, a little spotty in some parts, but this is probably the best the CGI looks in the movie. Yeah. Honestly, because they're doing the chariot race through the streets of Hong Kong. And it's Chinese New Year, so you've got a ton of people out in the street. You have fireworks going off, so there's just a lot going on in this chase scene. Yeah, and I'm like, this is a really good, big, bombastic actress action chase scene. This is like, if in any movie, this is the centerpiece. Mm-hmm. And it is shot so awkwardly. Yeah. I lose place of where people are relative to each other. Uh, sometimes the camera gets so shaky, like characters who are mid-sentence like pop out of the screen mm-hmm. for like a second, and I'm like, wait, you, why, why didn't you get another take of this? Like this seems really weird. Was this choice? It might have been choice to make you feel more like in the moment and that frenetic energy, but it's not um great in concept, bad in execution. Yeah. I put it like that. But the scene itself, like, outside of, like, the momentary, like, lapses of judgment, goes on way too long. Yeah. 
this is this is what um because there are they're in hong kong probably like 30 ish minutes into the movie yes and this chase sequence takes up maybe another 10 minutes yeah it goes on for a while and you've got people going in different directions Every, like all three little units have different plans of attack. You have the general, the the dragon emperor, and his henchwoman. They're shooting those people behind him. Alex and Lynn are trying to crawl up on there and like disengage the emperor. She's trying to stab him through the heart. Stab him through the heart with the mystical dagger. That's going to get explained to us 15 times in this movie. Yes. And then you have Rick and Jonathan. They're shooting um, fireworks. You well, have, Evie uh, drives. Well, <laughs> Evie drives and Evie's like, oh, I got Noah's shortcut and we're doing this. We're just going to drive through a wall. Yeah. And I'm thinking, you know, the other chase sequences we've had in the other movies, mm-hmm. right? Because I, I know I keep harping on this but this is the third movie of the trilogy they're all kind of building off of one another and rhyming and rhyming each other we have you know the the beautiful yellow car driving through the streets of hominoptera while the emotep zombies are chasing them we have Wait, and that <laughs> one really well done and you have the and you know sorry and you have that one super well done really nice really fast frenetic short and tight mm-hmm. five five minutes maybe you get a little bit of drama. It slows down a little bit, speeds back up. Slows down a little bit, speeds mm-hmm. back up, and then ends with a nice, slow, dramatic moment. And then you have my favorite of the the franchise, the uh, double decker bus chase. Oh, I, I was gonna say the the plane chase in the Mummy when they're they're trying to save Evie, oh, and they're yeah. they're trying to outrun the the sandstorm. The sandstorm. Great scene. By oh the way. yeah, that's why it's like you have these great scenes. Then yeah, we have the double decker bus. Uh, we have the the race through the the forest to get to the the Scorpion King's temple. Yeah, you have these great little chase sequences, but they all do the same thing, and they all know what they're doing. Yeah, frame the action so you can see everything, because if you if my memory serves, for the most part, the camera's stopped. Like this camera's locked down. It's you know usually it's like on the hood of the car or it's like inside the the bus but it's like locked down you see everything or they're on the same bed that the car is resting on yeah and it's all moving in one you know one unit together so you never lose geography you're never messing you're never missing what's going on and the other thing is they're keeping the the action tight like there it doesn't drag on for a long time the action usually you know a five a five minute or a five minute or chase sequence Mm -hmm. and it might it might be a thing where if you put a stopwatch, maybe some of the chase sequences are pretty long. Maybe they are ten minutes, but mm-hmm. this one feels longer. Yeah, because you don't get the geography. Your brain's working double time trying to figure out where everyone is, what's going on, and you know I still kind of like it in concept, but like this is going to be the theme of the episode. Great concept, poor execution. Oh yeah, it could have been done a lot better. But you know. The Dragon Emperor gets away. Of course. The General gets away. The Henchwoman gets away. Yeah. Everyone's like, ah, well, what can we do now? Save the world. Just like every movie. Just like every movie. Because they hop on a plane to Shangri-La. Yes. And, you know, there's a little bit of romance, a little bit of drama on the mountain as they're hiking up to the temple. Because they have to destroy the temple. They have to destroy the temple so that the Dragon Emperor can't put the diamond up there that'll show him where the Fountain of Youth is mm-hmm. that will redeem him to full power. 
Which is cool that, you know, it's not the diamond itself that's actually going to do something for him. It's, you know, a tool to help him find where the fountain of youth is. So I'm like, okay, I'm like, that was a pretty cool concept. Yeah, yeah. You know, you get you get your artifact and the artifact isn't the prize. The mm-hmm. artifact is the thing that leads you to the prize. Yeah. I'm like, okay, this is good. Stringing us along, mm-hmm. keeping us engaged in the, in the adventure. And we also see the Dragon Emperor is a total badass. He has magic, pa- fire-breathing mm-hmm. powers and... Okay, he's a little bit more of a elevated threat than, like, Emotep was. Yeah. Ele- more of an elevated threat of, like, the Scorpion King was. Mm-hmm. Okay, bigger, badder villain. Yeah. And then they get to the temple. They set up the traps. The general shows up with his henchmen. And Dr- then we have, you know, basically a pissing contest with Rick and Alex. My guns are bigger than your guns. It's all about stamina, not firepower. Like, and oh it's like, oh my god. Why are they doing dick jokes right now? I don't know. I also, was... dick jokes between in-character father and son. Yeah, it was just, why? Why? This is in a whole thing where Evelyn's like, you know, Evelyn makes some sort of comment, and then Alex is like, oh, don't worry, Mom, I'm experienced. And she's like, what? You are? Yeah, and I was like, why does that need to be happening? Yeah, it's one of those things where they're trying to be like, oh, we're going to put like little like innuendo jokes mm-hmm. for the grown-ups in the audience. And I'm like, why, though? Like, it's not relevant, and it makes it really awkward. Oh, yeah. Huh. But Because, oh. I mean, it's like, you know, it's parents and their children it's like why are we talking about this you know and it's just normal yeah and like don't get me wrong maybe some people have that kind of relationship with their parents but it's like it's super weird in this movie because you know these movies are like generally they're the first one was aimed probably at like teenagers or Mm -hmm. you know whatever teenagers 20 year olds but the second movie, they had the cartoon show. It's aimed for kids. It is. And that's why it's like, you know, you're using this humor and it's like, maybe if these three were like siblings and they could be like, oh, gross. You know, I don't want to hear about, you know, your life out of this, what you're doing. But it's like, these are parents and their child. It's like, yeah, still a little, still a little weird. You know, don't want to be a prude, but it, it gives a very weird vibe to the scene. And it's also like just cringy dialogue. Very cringy. Yeah, that's probably the biggest sin is the dialogue in this, in these little moments are just, eh, they're just not very well written. And they just feel like cringy jokes trying to get like the whole, you know, um, elbow and nudge to mm-hmm. be like, hey, you know what they're talking about? I was like, yeah, I know what they're talking about, but I don't care. Yeah. But then you know they're setting up their their booby trap they're gonna try and you know ambush the emperor and you know fight all the henchmen and they call in the help of the yetes god i mean just when i thought what else is gonna happen in this movie Mm -hmm. i wasn't expecting that you never you never think you're gonna see a yeti in a mummy movie and then you get what like four uh four four or five also Lynn speaks Yeti. Yes. That is established in this movie. And I'm in my head, I'm thinking, okay, they've seen mummies. They've seen... uh, Pygmies. Yeah, pygmy mummies. They've seen giant scorpion men. They've seen people raised from the dead. The army of Anubis. The army of Anubis. But motherfucker, there's Yetis and you're just like, oh, that's a funny Friday afternoon right there. So... In the middle of the Matterhorn at Disneyland, is it not a basketball court and it's really Shangri-La? It, quite possibly. Wow. Quite possibly Shangri-La and the Matterhorn. The more you know. 
I suggest everyone, when the Matterhorn's taking off, you should jump out, start <laughs> no. trolling around, see no. what you can find. We do not recommend Disney doing that. Disney loves when you break their rules. They so won't kick you out. Um, but Banned for life. Banned for life. But it's the thing where they're they're having another big, giant action scene. And you might be thinking, wow, you're really skipping from like action scene to action scene. Mm-hmm. No, like the movie's doing this. Like that whole thing where it's like, oh, they're on the mountain, you know, oh, cute romance thing, and oh, little bit of cringy dialogue between mm-hmm. parents and son. Yeah, it's that scene. We're into this. Yes. The movie is is jamming you along. And then this giant shootout, this the Yetis, another 10, 15-minute action scene where it's hard to figure out where everyone is in relation to each other who's doing what the yetis don't look very good no i mean they look kind of like snow leopards so that's what's kind of like well no that's a yeti but you really look like a leopard so well i'm not even going with the whole design of them i mean like the cg on them looks so plasticky and, and goofy. Then it's like why are you here though and then we find out on the next scene why but it's just like we're just you know pull in whatever we can out of the ether to you know yeah let's let's fill up this movie yeah and it's like i don't know why this isn't i don't know why the whole yeti thing is involved i mean because they have the big fight mm-hmm. uh rick gets um rick gets stabbed by the dragon emperor he sacrifices himself to save alex yes and then you have the whole thing where oh the emperor is winning now he is now at full power and you have you know lynn's like don't worry I know some flair will be able to heal your father. And they're going out to the Fountain of Youth to save Rick because Last Crusade. Yeah, you you have to save Rick. Yeah, because, look, you can't kill Brendan Fraser no. when he, him and John Hanna are the only ones from the original cast yep. still carrying it on. You can't fucking do that. But I, I think they're trying to get the same, like, pre-climax battle thing like they did in Returns. And then we see the Yetis carrying Rick on a stretcher to Shangri-La. <laughs> okay, that is the most, that is the funniest thing in the I was movie. Just like, what is going Did on? the Yetis build the stretcher? Do I Yetis hope so. know how to build stretchers? I hope so. What is the Yeti culture like? Do they have hospitals? I'd like to meet them. They seem like nice people or nice creatures. That, I ask so many questions because it's like they're, se- they're eight feet tall, strength of four men at least, and, and they just... protected them when the avalanche came. Yeah! And they seem to understand English a little bit because they're yeah. just like, I guess we won't kill Jonathan. He seems to be a friend. Mm-hmm. It's uh, very, very weird. Like the Yeti thing makes me realize, yeah, no, this was aimed for like little kids. Yeah, because I mean, if we were going to do something like that, uh, again, it goes back to the mummy when Emotep, you know, awakens his soldiers yeah the, the um pyramid guards or the temple or the yeah the pharaoh's guards and you know they they come out of you know the the etchings on the wall and the, their soldiers really cool so that's why i mm-hmm. thought you know we're in a temple you know whatever maybe is you know there is decoration and if she if lynn had called for help and it was those creatures in the temple that maybe came to life and protected them like okay that would be cool but yetis it's just like weird that that's where they're going for i mean i guess i get it it's kind of related to like the regional culture of the himalayas and all this other stuff but it's also just really out of nowhere Mm -hmm. right i mean if 
it would have been more interesting if it was like, oh, you know, they raise, or it's like, maybe there were monks there. Yeah. And like, now they have to be roped in to help everything. And, you know, I, or something, just yeah. something that's not yetis. Cause yetis yeah, are just you, weird. Yeah. You have like this small branch of monks that are up there in the temple that, you know, they don't come down. This is their home, but they know how to fight and protect themselves. And also the other problem, like structurally is this scene is, is pointless. Yeah. Like, they go here so they can try and stop the emperor from finding the um fountain of youth. Yeah. And oh, Rick gets stabbed, and we're gonna see. But Rick immediately gets healed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Yetis never come up outside of this. Um, the dragon emperor is victorious anyway. We don't lose anybody. No one dies. No, and you have um the sorceress explain that you know because she is stabbed at the the very beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. but she lives. And she's, you know, it was the Yetis that found her, you know, impaled, and they carried her to the the Fountain of Youth. And I guess that's when she decided, I will protect this, you know, with my immortal life, so he doesn't come back. And so it's like, okay, so the Yetis protected you, and that's why it explains why they would protect your daughter, because, you know, she is an extension of you, so they will take care of you guys, but... Yeah, it's just a little all over the place. And the th- and that's the thing. This scene, you can cut it out and mm-hmm. totally fine. They could have land in like the Himalayan mountains, done the hike, and then the next day just gone to the cave. Yeah. They could have skipped this entirely and the movie would not have noticed. Mm-hmm. Like, at all. But, as you said, we meet the sorceress in the cave of eternal life. We meet Michelle Yeoh, Oscar-winning actress, playing opposite Oscar-winning actor, Brendan Fraser. Fraser, and they won in the same year, and not for this movie. Not for this movie, not but, even close. but for two great movies. Yes. And I'm like, why does why are we saving Michelle Yeoh for, like, near the, like, the beginning, like Jet Li? The very beginning and the very end. Yeah, like Jet Li, and I'm like, she's a really good actress. I know, and- I feel like we should have gotten more of The Sorceress. Yeah, it feels like she should have had more room to work with. Her and Lynn should have served the, like, Oded Fair or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Ardeth Bay roles as the protectors of the tomb. Like, you mean Ardeth Bay? Ardeth Bay. Also, that's another thing. The cast, not nearly as hot as the last two movies. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. Solid, you know, but, like, solid sevens, eights here, but, like, God, damn. There were tens and nines in the last movies. That's why it's like, you know, the sorceress, her daughter, both beautiful women. Alex, you know, he's an attractive man, but it's just... You're just like, none of them are Arda Fay. None of them are Arda Fay. Not a a one. Odin Fair, good looking man. Very good looking man. (sighs) You're you're gonna put this episode out and our and Oda and um I'm I was about to say Oded Fair is gonna probably hit us up and be like look I I understand my effect on women okay can you please <laughs> calm down I can't I never will uh, but you know we get the whole thing where you know we finally see the sorceress and she is like I've been protecting the fountain of youth and yada 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 we see the fountain of youth we see what Shangri La really is and it's this beautiful you know paradise and and all this it's a thing of myth it's supposed to be the perfect realm and jonathan says the only thing that can make this place better a casino (sighs) because jonathan doesn't learn anything doesn't learn shit also really underutilizing jonathan's comedic talents here really underutilizing it yeah it's very slapsticky i that's i think the issue the comedy here is way more cartoony Mm -hmm. but neither here nor there because the emperor shows up and, and gets himself immortal. 
immediately. Yes. It was not even an issue. Just no. kind of walked in and did it. Set the sorceress flying, sent her daughter flying. Yeah. Uh, yeeted Alex across the room. Try and lit um, Rick on fire. And then just, you know, walked in, bathed in the water. And then he was like, okay, cool. I'm going to turn myself into a dragon. Deuces. Also, turned into actual dragon. And yeah. just flew off. Yeah. Actual, With Lynn. Actual dragon in this movie. And what I was like, the fuck? And I was like, okay, it's Game of Thrones now. You'd love to see it. But this... Not the last few seasons. Oh, God. Because it was season... I think it was season six that went off the books. I don't remember. Oh, God, I think I can't remember if it's like five or six, but I when it went off the books, that's when Game of Thrones started getting like really shoddy. Yeah. Personally, I think like season seven on, like because it was eight seasons total, right? I think so. I don't know. Yeah. It's been a while since I've watched it. I know. Like eight was just complete disappointment. Seven was the downtrend, but there's still some stuff in season six that I still enjoy. Mm Mm-hmm. Some, but that's neither here nor there. Because we're into the we're finally there, Boo. We're finally there, Becky. We are. And then The Climax. And then it turns into Jason and the Argonauts. Yes. Which I love. I mean, great movie. I love skeletons in general. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, we get the general as a skeleton, which was pretty cool. We do love to see it. The the general that betrayed the Dragon Emperor in the prologue. Yes. Because, you know, now it's going to be the, the general's, you know, terracotta army versus the undead builders of his great wall that he, you know, persecuted. And, and it's, it's like you, you have know. the sorceress that is giving up her immortality so that the soldiers can come back and, you know, fight one last time against the emperor. And hopefully buy them enough time to be able to vanquish the emperor and save the day. And we get another big bombastic action sequence that goes on for actually this one goes on like probably the right amount of time for your climactic yeah. battle scene but i was so mad that the sorceress and the general didn't get you know a real goodbye oh god i thought okay we're gonna have this she's mortal now he's you know only here to fight this battle they're gonna actually you know be able to be reunited again nope no, yeah, you don't get the whole like, oh, you were in love in the prologue and you're gonna finally mm-hmm. be together in in for the a afterlife. Tra- in the afterlife. You know, you don't get that. You also have the issue where you have Michelle Yeoh and Jet Li. Mm-hmm. Both of them do fantastic work in oh, yeah. the martial arts uh, genre. That was a great fight. It was a great fight, but it's shot in slow motion, mm-hmm. in really janky mediums. Yep. And it cuts way too much, and you cannot appreciate how good these performers are. No, and it's like really that this is what this is what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You could have just told you could just had them figure it out themselves on the day and just plant it in a wide, and it's you like, would have been fine. It's like the rest of the battle that's going on isn't in slow motion. Yeah. It's like we don't need to slow down that scene. If anything, we want more of that scene. I again I really wish they just I really wish they did the whole, you know, fucking crouching tiger, hidden dragon thing and just put the wireworks on and just like, okay, they're gonna like fly across the fucking thing and do like Dragon Ball Z fighting. No, it's just I just wanna see, you know, yes, we've had the this with these undead armies before. We know the formula. This we have, you know, two actual people that are going hand to hand combat and it's in a different style of just, you know, punching each other. I'm like, no, these are actually trained fighters. Like, I want to see this fight. Yes. I'm, I'm like, oh, Dragon Emperor. It's taking place in China. It's doing this. It's doing that. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to get some sick, like, martial arts Hong Kong action going Especially on. Especially with Jet Li. Yeah. 
you fucking Jet Li. Because this is like 2008. Jet Li is, I think at this point, probably like the biggest um, Asian action star outside of like Jackie Chan. Yeah. At least in this era. Like, where is like where's his due here like because he again he's in the movie for the prologue which mm-hmm. is probably about 15 ish minutes and the climax where we actually get to see him and we everything him, else is cg'd it's cg it's dispersed it's him you know as this cursed terracotta emperor where you know the the terracotta keeps you know reforming and he breaks through it and we see him mummified but then it just keeps filling back up again and you know that's probably some stuntman in a in a mm-hmm. green in a green body suit it's not actually jet lee he's probably just doing the voiceover but the other thing is he barely talks yeah there's not there's no real like don't get me wrong jet lee very good actor yes, great yes. performer why did you get jet lee if he couldn't be there for the whole movie like I I get it. You wanted a like strong uh leading man uh to play the part of the Dragon Emperor. Could you should have looked for somebody who could have been there for the entire production. That would have been like, you know, having Arnold Vosloo in the mummy and him not being able to be there for most of the shoot, the entire shoot, and then it's just, you know, okay, we'll just have kind of like, you know, glimpses of him. It's like, no, we want to see our villain. And even then in the first mummy, you they're able to play that out pretty well because you mm-hmm. think about it arnold Voslo, he's in a lot of the movie mm-hmm. but oh a lot of it he's shrouded in shadows maybe he's wearing the mm-hmm. mask maybe it's like partial cg maybe it's full mm-hmm. cg but it's like it they're able to play it out so it's like oh we're getting little glimpses of who he's turning he's into. regenerating he's re- yeah he's regenerating with this it's full it goes from full cgi dude mm-hmm. to gently yeah and that that's it it it's one of those things where it's like, ah, I kind of get what you're going for, but it's, mm-hmm. again, interesting idea, bad execution. Yeah. But, you know, the whole fight sequence is, again, big, bombastic, all over the place. Jonathan is in a plane. He's doing, he's dropping bombs, shooting. We have uh, Rick, who finally confronts the Dragon Emperor, and him and Alex are trying to do the tag team on him. Uh, Evie and Lynn. Lynn, they're trying to hold off the, the armies and trying to, you know, keep safe. And, you know, take care of the general and... Um, the the scarred henchwoman who has wh- no name, I think? They dropped a bomb on their car. Yes. Directly on their car. And somehow they were magically thrown into the temple. And were still ready to fight. Also, there's the whole, like, wheel... Because th- for some reason yeah. they're fighting a clock tower now. I don't know why. And... <sighs> and the <laughs> Yeah, there's just a series of wheels. And, I mean, I know it's wheel wells for water. That, that's what those wheels are there for, but it's just... Why are you... There's so many gears. There's a lot. And then, you know, finally the general gets thrown into one of them. And, and the hench... Get, he's getting crushed up. He's like, no, save yourself. And she's like, oh, we'll never leave you. And I'm like, you were what? What the... F-? Yeah. I'm like, was this supposed to be a thing? Like the henchwoman was in love with her? Was that... Sup- or in love I with like, him? Was that a thing? I mean, they never showed any you know glimpse of that up until this moment is like oh i just thought you know that was like your work partner also i'm like they had one scene alone together and it was all business of we're going to raise the dragon emperor to save china and she's like yes sir that is it that is it and she's like i will die for you it's like, are they trying to correct, you know, uh, Anaxuna Moon where, you know, she left Emotep in the last movie and this one she's like, no, I'll just die with you. This this feels like 
some somebody cut some shit out. Like <laughs> this feels like a studio thing where the movie was probably like two and a half, and they're like, we need to get this down to two so it'll play more. This feels like they were cutting scenes out. This feels like there was a whole like subplot where they were like in in love or something, and it's just out of the fucking movie. That's what that feels like, and it is the dumbest decision. Like why? Just film a little bit more fight scene and kill her on her own or something. Or just don't have her come back from the dead. Or, you know, prove that this isn't a cartoon and, oh, the car got hit by a bomb, but they magically flew and landed it, you know, somewhere and they're completely okay. They're not singed, nothing. They're, they're fine. Oh, God. That's, that's, it's one of those things where, like, you know, all the mummy movies are a little cartoony in their own way, but at least you believe the action on screen. When Just somebody like get... the divide and conquer. Oh, Lord. When I saw that, I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Uh, that, <laughs> was, that was rough. Because, what is it? Like, the, the, the sacred dagger has been split in half. Yeah. And Rick gets thrown over and he sees in the dust a, um, a part of the dagger. The other part of the dagger is missing. But for some reason, Alex has decided to draw a little division sign, which mm -hmm. at first I thought was a dick. Really? Because I just, because I'm, granted, I'm watching this and I'm just kind of like, I'm watching the movie, but I'm like barely involved at this point because I'm like, fuck, how long is this movie? And then it goes over to that and I'm looking at it and I'm like, is that, is that a dick and balls? No, like the balls are in the wrong, oh, oh, division sign, oh, okay. Because it's just drawn in the sand. And it's like, are you trying to go back to Alex and Returns where he would give, you know, clues by creating these epic sandcastles and it's just, and this one? A division symbol. Like, really? This is, you know, kind of lagging for Alex. I know, right? It's it's one of those things where I'm like, I get it. Like, <laughs> I get it. I get it. It's trying to be a thing, but it's so fucking dumb. But they manage they manage to touch the touch the touch tips as as the as it were with yes. the da with both sides of the dagger at the same time at the same time through the dragon emperor's heart. It's okay. So Alex stabs the emperor in the back. Rick stabs him in the front, and the blades connect, com connect <laughs> together. And then when Rick pulls the dagger out, it's now a combined dagger. Being like, "See, guys, the father and son were separated now, and now they're back together. Family unity. Fuck off, movie." <laughs> and you know they they save the day the emperor dies the terracotta army falls the undead builders are like see ya and die you think you know lynn's going to be able to meet her father i thought that's what we were getting i'm like oh my god she's finally going to meet him she gets like a head nod and they disappear i was like what he's like hey you look kind of like my grandmother see ya and just done <laughs> that's it like what the fuck yeah it's ah uh, the like the fighting and the action and all that stuff is fun. It still suffers from the problems of the other one, where it's mm -hmm. like, okay, you're doing a little bit of shaky cam, but it's like really exaggerated. And I, there's one where John Hanna just straight up falls out of frame, and it holds for like five seconds. Yeah, and that's not like a oh thing he drops out of frame and then he comes back in it's like no the camera's shaking so much it pulls out of focus and mm -hmm. out of frame and then he kind of bounces back in eventually and i'm like that that is horrible execution of yeah. of an action shot like a little shake is fine for freneticism like but in same and private ryan when spielberg's doing the fucking like like storming normandy beach 
Yeah, he still maintains focus on people. You still know where Tom Hanks is. Like, what the fuck, guys? But besides the point, it is a nice, fun, big, bombastic action sequence. But then we finally get the the wrap-up, the ending. Lynn and Alex, they're in love now. Rick it, and Evie she's are... She's mortal now. She's mortal now. I think it's going to be interesting to see what that whole life is like so when she's 2,000 years old and he's like 22. And you got Alex, you know, told you I love an older woman. It's like, Alex, shut up. Shut the fuck up, yeah. Alex. <laughs> huh. And then we have, you know, Rick and Evie and they're like, we're we're back in it. You know, we're going to be adventurers. I finally got my idea for my new book. It's going to be the dragon ever. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then Jonathan's like, I've sold my club. I'm going to go somewhere where there's no mummies. Probably Peru. And then we get the ending... Ending little title title card. Mm-hmm. Shortly after this, mummies were found in Peru. End of movie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Is that sequel bait or was that meant to be a joke? No, that was sequel bait because there was a four that was planned and the actors did sign on. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. But they weren't sure how they were going to fix, you know, him. He was going to Panama or Peru? Peru. He was going to go to Peru. Okay. okay. So, yeah, they, they have the teaser there. But for four, what they had planned on was they were going to deal with the Aztecs. And they're like, well, how are we going to fix this since we had already just teased Peru? Two very different countries. Who are kind of far, like the, where the Aztecs were and where Peru is, are, I believe, it, are kind of far from each d- other. Different countries, different lore. And they did have their villain signed on. And it was going to be Antonio Banderas. Honestly, pretty solid. And I was like, okay, you know, that might be unique. Not because, you know, I'm Hispanic and I'm like, fuck yeah, Aztecs, let's go. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't think Rachel Weiss is going to come back for four. And, uh, and you know, Maria, uh, I believe it's Maria Bellows who plays I her so. in this. Yeah, yeah, Maria Bellows. Good enough, Evie, honestly. Like, I, nah. the chemistry wasn't all there for, for it. But I'm I like, think she could have been her own character. You, you think it should have just, she should have just... Stepped in as her own character. Recasting um, Rachel Weisz in the third movie was a poor decision. Yeah. I mean, I know most of it was she didn't want to come back because she read the script. Just like Oded Fair and Arnold Vosloo. And they were like, wow, this is horrible. But at the same time, she was kind of like, it's not going to make sense coming back. And my child is pretty much the same age that I am. Yeah, because um, also the other thing, I know she had a kid around the same time. Around the same time, yeah. And it's a thing where she's like, well, that didn't that didn't affect my decision. It was just the script being bad. Mm-hmm. But it's a thing where the producers were also like, well, yeah, but in the meetings you said that was the reason. Like, if you were trying to be nice or not, that's well, one thing. Well, that but, and, you, you know, know, the actors, I mean, Brendan Fraser especially, take a beating with these movies. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the first movie they had to have, um, what was it, uh, hostage insurance yeah, for be- the three leads. Well, I mean, the, also, the first movie, Brendan Fraser was literally hung. You know, the, the scene in the jail? Yeah, there was a mistake. He literally hung and died on set yeah. and they revived him yeah so it's like i can totally see her apprehension of coming back because you know these aren't easy movies these are you know rough and tumble rough and tumble on screen and it's like no we really had to get rough and tumble to make it look you know as real as possible on screen the the other big glaring reason why this is why i know arnold Vosloo just like straight up said no i'm not coming back well steven summers wasn't coming back as a director yeah. he's only he for this movie, he is only the producer. The director, I believe, is the same director for the first Fast and the Furious movie. It's uh, Rob Cohen. Yeah, Rob Cohen. And 
the whole thing with that is like Steven Summers, like we can we can be honest, he's not a um he's not a master director. He's not, you know, Scorsese or Kubrick, but he knows how to make fun, bombastic, pulpy adventure stuff. Yeah. Like like the Mummy, Mummy Returns, uh Van Helsing. Like, you know, people give shit to Van Helsing all the I time. I like Van Helsing. I like it too. It's one of those movies where it's full of really cool ideas. It but... was a scary ass maze when it was at <laughs> Universal Studios. Yeah. God, I remember that maze. That was a while ago. But but neither here nor there. But the thing is, is like his directing style, he's probably one of those guys who's like, it's gonna be a lot of work, but hey, it's gonna be it's gonna be fucking cool. But I mean, Rob Cohen was the one that was really interested in ancient um Ancient China. Ancient China. And it was like Okay, you know, if this is your thing, and a lot of shooting was done in China because he wanted to do a lot of on location. And also, uh, he was apparently super anal about trying to get as much of it accurate as possible. It's like, I feel like we should have embraced more of that. It, it feels like, you know, okay, you know, we have the Dragon Emperor, you know, we're in China, but we only get like little glimpses here and there. It's like, no, why aren't we, you know, in these cities more? Why aren't we, you know, learning more about, you know, the history and the culture and the lore. It's just it's it's a yeti. thing. It's a th- <laughs> yeah, yeti. <laughs> it's a thing where this feels like have have you ever had this where maybe a friend or somebody is describing something they're really into mm-hmm. and they're trying to get you involved with it. Yeah. And you're going along but you're like, I'm I'm trying, I'm just not really digging it but i'm gonna put up with it because you know you're my friend yeah this feels like the actors and everyone are like man you're really into this but i'm the script's not that good but i'll i'll give it my best that's what it feels like because the chemistry is off Mm -hmm. you know not and i'm not blaming maria bell she does she does a fine job as the actress yeah it's the thing where it's like it's a different dynamic Mm -hmm. than the first two it feels like um Jonathan isn't used perfectly. He's a lot more of like he's a lot more of like schlapsticky comedic relief mm-hmm. one-liner gag character a lot more than in the other two where he was that but he served the plot. Yeah. He did contribute to what was going on. He was important. And it's the thing where like the like Alex isn't Alex is very involved but it feels like this was setting up oh, he's going to carry the torch for the next couple mm-hmm. movies like they did with Kingdom of the Crystal Skull yeah. where they tried to say, oh, Harrison Ford's getting on in years, so his son, Shia so, LaBeouf, is yeah. going to carry Mutt's on. Mutt's going to take on. Yeah, he's going to carry on the the torch, which they threw that shit out the fucking window. Yep. So that's that's the thing. Tomb of the Dragon Emperor is the worst parts of the Indiana Jones franchise. Also, the score was not bussin'. Oh, it was not. The score was... Eh, the score was forgettable. Yeah, and it's like you had these sequences in the score where you you could hear like the mummy theme, mm-hmm. like it was about to pop off, and it's like you know we should have had the love theme at least for Rick and Evie, so we can kind of you know oh we're having one of those moments or a, a memory. It also a thing it bridges the the gap you know for your for the um auditory audience you know the people who are like into the music mm-hmm. or because music hits that emotional beat it bridges the gap from the other movies. And it's like, you know, there's a reason Will there's a reason John Williams does all the Star Wars movies. Oh yeah, and it's like, you know, we have this new bad guy, we have the Dragon Emperor. Why doesn't he have an epic bad guy theme? Where where's his Imperial March? Yeah, it's like, you know, when he enters a scene, it's like we should be flooded with, you know, this music that, you know, he is here, this is him. And it's like, no. 
it's it's so it's so weird the decisions made on the movie when they had so much more time than the other ones yeah there was more potential they really could have fleshed out this story better you know do it in a way that you could have brought you know rachel weiss back you know why not make alex a teenager i'm also in the i'm also of the opinion where it's like they because they, for some reason they have this obsession we're gonna set each movie like 10 years 10 years apart five years apart just a different decade I'm like, that's no, you shouldn't have done that. Mm -hmm. Like, I had my gripes with it in Mummy Returns, and we did our concession where, no, they had to do it because they had to Mm -hmm. appeal to the kids, and it's also a thing where they needed to change the dynamic somehow. They didn't want to deal with a baby. Yeah, and again, I think it's it's far more they needed to change how the unit worked because they needed there to be somebody else in that in in the in the group dynamic to have the O'Connells evolve. Yeah, in this. It really should have been like Alex is a teenager. It should have it should have opened. I don't know. I'm I could just rattle on where it's like the movie just doesn't feel right. It doesn't. It, it feels like instead of the third of a franchise, this feels like the fifth movie of a long running franchise where the last two went direct to TV. Yeah. Or direct to DVD, I guess, or streaming. Yeah, and you know to go back to the fourth that you know. Could have been. That could have been and was signed on. You know, actors were signed on to it. They were ready to go. You want to know why it wasn't made? Was it because this movie uh, shit the bed critically and commercially? No. It was because a little movie we're going to talk about next week was concocted and they decided to shelve that movie for Tom Cruise. Oh, sweet Jesus. Because they thought that Tom Cruise was going to bring to life the dark universe in The Mummy. That's right. That came out in 2016 or 2018. It, it, was, it was in the teens. I think it was maybe around 16. Yeah, because this is, because was it 2008? That's when you have Iron Man and they're doing the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And this is where the rumblings that uh, Universal is, wants to do a dark universe. This is also around the same time that we get the Wolfman with Benicio Del Toro, which was really good. That's right. And yeah. it was like, why can't we do the Universal Monsters scarier? And also, they, you know, Steven Summers did Van Helsing, which yeah. was threw together. It's like, hey, all these, you know, monsters can work in one movie. So there was there was definitely a rumble of of the dark universe, but and then we know what Lord. happened with the Tom Cruise mummy killing the dark universe. Oh God, we have got we have touched on that. I don't know a half dozen times in this podcast this year. It keeps coming back to it. It does. So I think we have to actually talk about it and bring it to light i think we do but before we do any final thoughts on the mummy tomb of the dragon emperor uh, is, was it as bad as you thought it would be yeah it was pretty bad it was pretty bad it was pretty bad i mean i i don't throw it onto the actors because i think the actors did great jobs no one was like slacking yeah but it was just the story was really not good Mm. I think, you know, for as much of a gap that there was between Returns and Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, I think there was plenty of time to flesh out a very strong story. But, yeah, I mean, the only way I'm going to recommend this is if you want to watch, like, all the Mummy movies, then it's, yeah. You bought the Mummy 3-pack on DVD, and you're like, I gotta do the marathon. Or you bought, like, the collector's edition that has, like, you know, the Scorpion King attached to it. Yeah, you know, burn through all of them, and... Be prepared for three, but yeah, I I really didn't like the movie. 
I'm in the same boat as you. It's it's the worst in the franchise. I'm pretty sure it's easily the worst in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Like, you, which is disappointing. Yeah, and I mean, even if you're counting like the first Scorpion King movie, yeah, like even that movie, I'm more entertained by. Yeah, I feel like the Scorpion King's a better movie than this movie, which is wild to say. Oh yeah, but we are going to be talking next week to wrap up the Mummy franchise proper i guess yeah. with the tom cruise mummy film that's um was supposed seen... to launch the dark universe oh yeah you've seen it i've seen it i know you haven't seen it i did not see it for not not like good reason but lazy reasons yeah. it was it was coming out i think at a time where i just wasn't able to go to the movies very often mm-hmm. and also i saw the trailer that got released yeah. that they didn't have the audio mixed in and it I was like, this is really shoddy. I'm not I'm not down. Yeah. But uh do you think it'll you think it'll top Dragon Emperor? Uh, I've only seen it the once. Uh I found it more more entertaining than this, but I think that Tom Cruise's mummy is a different beast than this is. So be prepared. And the real crux is we get to say, so what killed the dark universe? Oh, I know. Uh. I, I know what killed it. But if people wanted to find out, where can they go next week to find us? If you want to listen to us on a different platform than you currently are, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. You can go to our YouTube channel, The Film Vault, and that is The Film Vault on YouTube. Eventually, Dean will get off his ass and edit some slideshow video versions of this podcast so you can keep up with it. But if you wanted to know when we're uploading or where we're doing or <laughs> what we're doing, or where we're going, you can follow us on our socials at... The Film Club Podcast on Instagram, where we post daily stories, upcoming episodes, and random adventures we're going on. And with that... We'll see you next week at the Film Club. Have a good week, everybody.